Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Touchline Thoughts powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm Irfan Manji. Well, today's episode, we're going to look back to the first two episodes of the season where we did a, a EPL preview, and I brought back the guy who did it with me, Nick McVicker. Um, but for now, take a little breather. Here's some music for you. Nick, you're back. Thank you very much for joining us. Happy New Year to you, to your family, and I hope you're doing well. How's it going? It's going well, man. I mean, yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Um, hopefully 2021 will bring us uh, some better news than the 2020 uh, year that was, but uh, we're, all, we're all doing good here and uh, just happy to be back on, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, I agree with you there. I hope 2021 is better. I mean, it hasn't started all that great, but there's still another 300 plus days left. So it's going to change. I hope there you go. It's got to stay positive. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start off the starting 11 today brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and chef Sab a follow Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and are now available in the Vancouver area to pick up for the next couple of days. All right, buddy. So the last time we did our EPL preview we made some predictions we kind of were like well here's who might get fired who might be in the top four top six so I have them up in front of me but before we go through that I just wanted to get your thoughts on the season so far have you enjoyed it have you hated it what's your favorite part so far I have enjoyed it I think it's actually been a very entertaining season up till this point a lot of parody through the first 16 17 games for most teams a couple teams are still at 15 but for the most part it's been pretty entertaining we've seen Leeds who started off so well now drop down to 11th we've seen Arsenal in the bottom half of the table pretty much the entire year the high-powered offense of Chelsea has come and gone as they pleased and that sits them in ninth and then the top five is five teams that we kind of expected to be near the top maybe not in this order by any stretch of the imagination but it's teams that we expected to be up there. It's also nice to see the resurgence of Everton and a Southampton squad actually playing really well. Like Everton's on 16 games with a win. They move into a tie for third with Leicester. And that's that's pretty incredible considering the Everton squads we've been seeing over the last few years. I'm very impressed with them. Yeah, no, I echo the same sentiment there. I mean, we expect the top five to sort of filter into the main top five or six, but I think... Seeing Arsenal, for example, like you mentioned, lower than lower than we would ex- assume them to be. Same lower thing. than half? <laughs> lower than half. I don't know. I expected them, you know, we, we thought anywhere between eight to one could possibly be where they end up, but they're sitting in the second half of the table. I mean, Chelsea haven't been convincing, but they're still sitting at 26 points, which isn't that bad. It's just not what you expect from a Chelsea squad that got enhancements of over 200, 300 million pounds, right? And you look at it, and they're just the biggest thing for Chelsea is that they've been incredibly inconsistent in the season. Like they, mm-hmm. they'll show really good in some games and and blow teams out. Um, they'll show really well and tie good teams, and then they'll play good teams and just forget that they're playing and get blown out. Like honestly, the game against City three one was 
very, very ben- generous to Chelsea, in my opinion. I, th- I thought City outplayed them in that match. 100%. Yeah. And Arsenal, so. the same thing. They, they did not show up for that Arsenal game at all. And 3-1 was, again, sort of generous. I think they, they showed up in the second half where they could have made it 3-3 or 4-3, could have actually won the game. Um, I think Arsenal got lucky with that penalty in the beginning where it yeah. won. But I think that that changed the momentum of the game. Like, you have to admit that part. And I think Arsenal's like, well, hey, we can get a goal because we haven't scored from open play in God knows how many minutes. And then they end up actually scoring three on the bounce. So... I mean, you look at Chelsea, it's like, what are they doing with their new players? Like, are you, like, I don't know if you've seen much of their games, and if you have, do you think that this formation is right? Do you think they, they bought the wrong players? Because, like, they have so much talent on their squad. Like, they shouldn't be that low, right? Yeah, no, they definitely shouldn't be that low, but the question marks that we had going into the season are still the question marks. Like, we weren't sure about the goalkeeping when it was Kepa. Now they bring in Mendy. I'm still not convinced Mendy's the answer either. Uh, the defense is a question mark. A lot of it comes down to who's playing with who and who's going to be healthy in that center back role. They're, they haven't been consistent and they've been rotating those center backs, trying to find the right pair and it just hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And outside of the attackers who when they're on, they're uh, elite they're not doing a whole lot moving forward. There's not a whole lot of we what we need to go forward. There's kind of like a passive sort of play. Mm. And when you have the players like a Havertz, like a Werner, you can't be playing passive. You need to be an attacking team and running at teams. And they just don't have that instinct right now to go at teams. Yeah. And I think that's their biggest problem is um, they have – Moving forward, I think they have a really good squad, but it, it, like every time Lampert comes up and has a conversation with the media, it seems we just didn't, you know, our game plan didn't work out. We didn't execute. We didn't execute. And at what point are you Chelsea and say that, well, how long are you not going to execute? Is is Lampard on the hot seat then? Um, I think there's going to be questions about Lampard. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily put him on the hot seat just yet, but there's definitely questions like whether it's he's not getting them mentally set for games to get them going forward or the players aren't getting mentally set, that's the big question right now. And mm-hmm. I, if he can figure out how to get them going, because like honestly, Havertz, Werner are very, very good attacking players. They haven't necessarily shown it this year, and we're looking for them to repeat what they did in the German league. Mm-hmm. But eh, if he can't figure it out by the end of the year, then his seat is not just hot, it's on fire. Do you think that the jump between the Bundesliga over to EPL is impacting um, the two players? Like, I I feel like when you watch the Chelsea games, players are a little bit more physical with the Chelsea strikers and they're just getting pushed around at times. But when you look at their technical skill, it's very, very good. When they're given time, and we've seen that this year, when they've been given time, uh, like in the Leeds game, where they dominated Leeds, Leeds isn't a up-on-you sort of, defending team there's a lot of space in that leads formation just that's just how they play mm-hmm. and you can see when they were given time and they were given the ability to look up and technically play the ball they were dynamic and they mm-hmm. dominated that game so i think the teams in the epl have figured out okay we just gotta step up on these guys don't give them the time in the in the middle of the midfield don't give them the time in the attacking third they're not going to do anything to us and that's that comes down to the players needing to realize that and be like, okay, well, this isn't working anymore. It's not the same as the German league, where sometimes a, a few of the German teams will stay off a little bit. Now, yeah. I'm not saying the German league is like La Liga, where they don't tackle. 
<laughs> let's let's be honest. La Liga, even the Italian league, to some degree, there, there's not as much hard nose tackling as there are in the EPL. The Bundesliga is probably the second most physical league, but it's no no league in my opinion is as close to physicality wise to yeah. the to the EPL. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at it, and these guys are coming from another league where they might not be as physical. They're trying to get set into a, a formation, try to get set into a system. While learning, okay, I got to take a few more hits, sort of thing. Yeah, got to take a hit to make a play. Yeah, yeah. And I think the EPL is not like hockey, but yes. No, but like I mean, you you see a foul on a on a break, whereas in the Bundesliga they don't tend to jump into a tackle and just let you go by, right? And that's the difference there. So I do hope that they turn it around. I mean, ninth isn't that bad considering the turnover they've had with points, but and you've also said they're they're sitting on twenty six. That's literally one win behind Tottenham in fourth. Yeah. Right, so, so it's not like they're out of it by any stretch, but they're they're not showing well. The one win in their last five matches is just not good enough. No, but I mean, we can also say that for a bunch of the teams that are above them or below them. I mean, at yeah, one point, absolutely. Spurs was leading the league, and we're like, uh, Mourinho just figured something out, and then they've sort of cooled off. Uh, Liverpool struggled the last couple of games. Um, uh, you look at City, who's picked it up. You've seen Aston Villa, who were torrid in the beginning, kind of drop off a little bit. Leeds, Leeds. playing playing a very good attacking football, but like you said, not being able to play a defensive. <laughs> like, they're fun going forward, and we saw that in that United game where it was just back and forth, but the problem was they didn't finish, and they also left so many gaps, and if Luke Shaw can exploit a gap on you, and he's a good player, don't get me wrong, you got to worry about the fact that Luke Shaw's doing this to you. Yeah, I mean, Shaw's a quick player, and yeah. United, United have shown over the last bunch of matches like i don't know they have four wins in their last five i think if you go back a little bit further it's even better than that but um yeah they haven't they haven't lost in the league since that arsenal match back in november that says a lot about the united squad they're they're coming together they're still question mark don't get me wrong like during the january transfer window they still need to probably go out and try to find a center defensive mid um to shore up that midfield maybe another center back although i will give Bailly a lot of credit he's looked very good the last uh stretch of games uh, over the last two months so maybe they found their answer to go beside mcguire mcguire needs to learn how to mark like <laughs> oh my god it's awful he cannot mark in the box i saw someone write this he cannot mark a blank sheet of paper no which is that is not good for a center back if you're a center defensive mid and you can't mark okay you kind of get away with it as a center back, you need to be able to mark in the box, and he no. hasn't figured it out. But other than that, I think Maguire's actually played very well this year. Yeah, he's had a set pieces. He's pretty. He's been pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I underlined that point as well. Yesterday, uh, there was the Carabao Cup where where City beat United, yeah. um, and there was a shot by Kevin De Bruyne on the, all alone. If he had a little bit more space, I think it would have hit the top corner, but he hit the crossbar or the post, and it was on Maguire because he didn't close him down enough. And I think that's the downside that you're going to get for Harry Maguire. But, I mean, other than that, I think he's leading the league in minutes, right? He's playing well. United United can't get him off the field. (laughs) No, because... They they need him on the field. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're not going to go Marcus Rojo or uh, Lindelof as your pairing or whatever. Like, you're not going to take the risk of that, so you have no choice but to burn him. So... I mean, he also I, I leads think, the team in passes, which is crazy. But it's also because he's pay, played like a thousand minutes more than whatever. I know. It's, I'm just saying, like as a as an interesting stat that a lot of people don't realize is the guy's actually pretty good with the ball at his feet. Like he's mm-hmm. not he's not useless when the ball's at his feet. 
he also has twice as many aerial battles won than anybody else on United. He has 10 more clearances than anybody else. He has almost 20 more interceptions than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So he's been very good. There's just a couple little things in his game that he needs to really nail down that I don't know if he will because he's in his late 20s now, early 30s. I don't know if he'll learn it, but if he could do that, he would become an elite defender. And that's where I think if they pick up another center back, that would be ideal for them to sort of build off of them. But Eric Bailly, when he's healthy, and that's what he was brought in for, he's a very good defender. Like, I mean, when you saw the Maguire's gaps, uh, not the City game, the one before that, um, he covered Maguire for most of that match. He was able to sprint down. He was able to intercept. He was like, I just hope he stays healthy for United's sake so they don't have to spend money on a center back unnecessarily until the summer when they can go after David Alaba or uh, Sergio Ramos. I don't know if they will, but potential upgrades for sure at that end. But I mean, there's more problems on this team. Uh, Like they might be sitting in second with a game in hand on Liverpool, but there's still some, some question marks for them. No, there's definitely question marks, but I think the offense has been figured out. They they now Mm -hmm. have their, they now have their attacking formation. When Paul Pogba's on his game, he is elite. When he's not, he's useless, which that's an issue that needs to be resolved in-house. And I don't know how I don't know how you do that. Because I've played with guys like that who um one game are world beaters and then the next disappear. And you have no idea why. Like sometimes it's they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and didn't tell anybody, or they just they're just not feeling right that day, but you would never know by just looking at them. So it's kind of hard to say, mm-hmm. like, it, we can't, we can't say it's on Olay to get him set up because like Olay might not know that he's not feeling right that day. Right. Like so, he's just, he's just doing his best to put his best 11 out. And, and Paul Pogba should be in that 11 yes. every day of the week. So it's, it's a tough situation with Pogba. Like as much as I want to think that he is, good mm-hmm. and is a right is a good piece for united every every other game it's hard to believe that and maybe he needs to go somewhere else which would be a huge loss in that midfield but if we pick up a center defensive mid and pogba moves on i don't know if united would be that far off from where they should be no honestly i mean why not go for a center defensive mid that you know every night you're going to get a hard nose game from them versus Pogba who might show up three games out of five or something. And you know what? Like McTominay has shown flashes of being able to do that, but I just don't think he's there full time yet. No. And that's a problem because we need someone to be able to play every game at that position. And yeah. I don't think McTominay's there yet. Nope. I mean you look over we'll move over to the rivals of Man City. Um they have Rodri and Fernandinho who have been steadfast in that position of sitting in front of the defenders um, and also being able to move the ball up like Fernandinho's goal. Uh, like you, ex- you want something like you want a cracker coming out of players. Like once in a while, take a big shot, take a big chance. So how is it that city, they didn't start off well, but now they're in fifth. Do you think that they'll, they'll stay in fifth? Do you think they need to bring someone in? Because that that's quite as talented. I mean, they have Kevin De Bruyne playing your false nine for the last three, four games, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is that they have no defenders right now. Like everyone is hurt uh, across has the COVID. back almost. Yeah. And as much as Stones has been 
good and Laporte has been good and Mendy has been good. They're they're really been in and out of the lineup just because everyone keeps getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the biggest issue is that they can't they can't put a consistent lineup out to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you want if you really want to play well, you kind of need to you kind of need to have a consistent lineup because you get that I'm going to say consistency again, but you get a consistency between the players. You get a familiarity between the players mm-hmm. and people feel more confident uh, when you play the same lineup over and over again. So it is tough when you have so many injuries. And I mean, you've seen it with Liverpool too. They've had yeah. to shuffle their lineup a lot. Liverpool was a little bit deeper than City though, I think. And that, that saved them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think being ha- like having your starting 11 consistently every match, you know where your players are going to end up how they're going to play. So you, you're not like trying to figure out, well, is for example, Daniel James, is he going to make a run down the line or is he going to cut in? We don't know, but if you're consistently playing with these guys, you're able to pick it up. And I think city, if they can stay healthy and avoid COVID cases, like the way that their team has been um, affected by it, um, they'll be higher than fifth. And I don't, I don't doubt it. I mean, if you can play Kevin De Bruyne as a false night and very similar to Pep's uh, Barcelona days where Messi played false nine. Like it's a very similar setup with the way they attack, the way they defend. It's a very, it's very similar to that, that Barcelona team that was so successful. So, I mean, if they stay healthy, like Nick just said, I, I, I can see city jumping up into a top three, top two, maybe even winning. I, I, it would, like, they, I would like to say though, that they shouldn't be. They, De Bruyne shouldn't be a false nine. Like that's not no. where he, that's not where his strength is. He is mm-hmm. a, he is a more deep back midfielder not necessarily a defensive midfielder, but a mm-hmm. deep back midfielder giving di- distributing the ball from there sure. as opposed to being a false nine. But yeah. if you have to play him at a false nine, not necessarily the worst thing. No, I mean, he was <laughs> bothering everybody, right? I mean, and, and having Sergio Guerrero come on as a substitute is a good sign for City because they can move into a, uh, an actual natural striker. And then when Jesus comes back from COVID um, and whatnot or his suspension, then, you know. Well, he was, he was on the bench yesterday. So there you go. So, um, but the big thing is, I think they need to. What they need to bring in is they need to bring in another striker, mm-hmm. like a true another true striker, because Aguero is getting older, and they need to they need to come up with an answer for uh, who's going to take over once he's done. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I wanted to quickly go to the. Well, actually, no. Wait, we'll go to Liverpool first. Liverpool hasn't been healthy in the back end, and it sort of messed them up a little bit. Um, What's their biggest need for the transfer window now? Center back. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh. When, when both of your starting center backs are out for the season, you need a new one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had Henderson and Fabinho playing your, your center back positions last game. And Robertson's played center back at some point this year, which is, you know, not right. And I think when you has played there as well, like, yeah, it's <laughs> Milner's played there. When most of your midfielders are playing center back, that's when you know, hey, we probably need to pick up a center back and transfer window. <laughs> and it's it, it was an unfortunate circumstance that Van Dyke went down, and then like a week later, um, Gomez Gomez went down, and then yeah. like two weeks later, Matip went down hurt as well. Like it was just one after another after another for a team that was deep, and that's why they've been able to survive <laughs> at top of the table this year because they are so deep. Just to have that happen one after another after another, it shows, like, no matter yeah. how deep you are, you can still be screwed. Of course. And, like, it's a testament to the fact that it's still first. Like, yeah, yeah. right? They're still first. They're still the best team or one of the two best teams in the league, for example. Um, 
with James Milner as a center back. I mean, that's that's a huge, <laughs> huge that's compliment. Yes. But it's a huge compliment to what uh, Jurgen Klopp has done, and I think we'll talk about that as uh, as a Coach of the Year candidate and winner. So we'll get to that after a break. But quickly, the bottom half of the table. So far, you're two for three with the bottom half of the table. By the way, you predicted Fulham, you predicted West Brom, and I believe you predicted Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, both of us predicted them to be at the bottom because we didn't think they'd be good, but they've been playing some good attacking football. They sit in the top half of the table, but the other surprise at the bottom, and I don't think either of us saw this coming, but Sheffield United sitting at no wins in the games that they've played. Um, I'm a little disappointed to see them down there. I mean, they haven't played as poor as their, as a record says. They've been in most games. They're just, just unable to pick up a win. If you're Chris Wilder's side, what are you doing for the second half of the season? You know, aside for winning, I don't know if they will. Like, they're just there's something amiss with that Sheffield United team. They're not. They are not right right now. And that was something that we were saying preseason about. Villa like Hmm. there was something there was something going on in Aston Villa that we didn't we didn't like turns out they figured it out in Villa will Sheffield United figure it out mid-season are they going to bring anybody in to help figure it out what players could they even bring in at this point for a zero win team who's going to want to go to a zero win team it's they're in trouble and Mm -hmm. if they don't figure it out in the next three matches during January while trying to bring people in I don't see them crawling out of that basement. No. That's 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 weird to say at week 17, but yeah, there's a chance they don't even get to 10 points. Which is crazy considering they shouldn't be there. They've played very well in the matches that they've been in. I mean, just getting blown out by teams at the bottom half of the table, though, is probably what's hindering them. So they got to be able to scrap away. No, they have no scoring. Yeah, but last they year eight it worked. goals in 17 matches. Yeah. That's not good enough. Like 29 against in 17 isn't the worst. It's less than two goals a game. Mm-hmm. And to put that into comparison, like Liverpool's given up 21. United's given up 24. Um, Crystal Palace, who's sitting in 14th, has given up the same amount. So it's not like 29 is like the worst defensive record. But no. when you only score eight goals in 17 matches, there's an issue. There's a clear issue. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm sad to see them at the bottom. I hope they, they find a way to crawl out because I think collectively, like the three teams that are sitting at the bottom aren't very good. So we'll probably see it. Can, end we, up give, can we give full credit to Villa though? Yeah, 100%. Go for it. Man, Grealish is dominant. Yeah. Tyrone Mings has been fantastic for them. Ollie Watkins? Yeah, even know who this guy was before the season. He now well, leads the team in goals. Like they've they have shown up, and they deserve full credit for being top half of the table right now. Well, Ali Watkins was lights out for Brentford last year. Um, I thought he wouldn't be able to play without Barami, but hey, when you have someone like Jack Grealish who's dictating the midfield the way he is, he was picking apart United with some very good passes last match, and um, unfortunate that they couldn't really tie it up and United pick up a late goal, but. They've been a very good team this year and a shocking team. And um, any team that has some sort of John Terry on you, I don't like you. But um, hey, <laughs> Villa's doing well and they're winning. So can we also uh, give credit to the fact that they have not had a single error lead to a goal no. from anybody on their team this season? Like, no. That's hard to do. Very hard to, very do. hard to do. They picked up a very good uh, goalie from 
from Arsenal who Martinez, right? They they figured it out. I think like the only problem that I think would worry me in the summer is will they be able to keep their top players? Oh, and that that will obviously be the issue, and that will that's something that they're not worried about right now. Like their yeah. their worry at the moment is getting through this season and trying to stay at the top half of the table. Yeah, if which they, they end up, can do. If they end up in Europe, I I think they'll be able to hang on to a lot of players. Yeah, that's that might be a bit of a stretch for me. Like mm-hmm. this is again, let's not forget this is a team that we thought was going to be bottom three. They're sitting in we eighth do. right now. That's three generous. points behind. They're sitting three points behind the Europa uh, Europa spot. So. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but not realistic. Possible and realistic. All right. So, okay. Last question for the EPL before we wrap it up. Yep. Um, out of every team so far, what's one player that any team should buy? Like you one can pick team that any player, any te- one player. Yeah. So, like you can pick Ars- uh, Arsenal and say Arsenal to buy X player, and then that's Arsenal what we we'll need. Eleven new players. <laughs> <laughs> and minusing. Um, Okay, wait. So then, since you said Arsenal, there uh, is Mesut Ozil. Oh, please let him go to MLS. Yeah, we're done. Is he done in an Arsenal please uniform? Just let him, please, well, he's been done for an Arsenal uniform since Arteta came in. Just let him go. Let him go play because this is a guy who is talented enough to still be playing and should be actually on the Arsenal line roster. But he wasn't rostered preseason, so he can't play in a game for Arsenal this year. Let him go. If you don't want him there, let the guy go play. What the heck did he do to you, Arteta, that you're not even going to let him go play somewhere else? I mean, Arsenal's missing every sort of creativity in that midfield, and I don't I don't understand and it. And they Perplexing can't play me. him. No. They can't play him because he's not rostered. Doi. Move him on. It's time to move on for him. He needs to go. But okay. yes, that, that's something that needs to happen in the January transfer window. And it sounds like he's signing in the MLS with DC United. So. DC, yeah. Or maybe going to the Turkish League to Fenerbahce. There's two teams that are interested in them. More so, yeah. I think MLS related. But yeah. so I think yeah, I think so. MLS. I think the biggest addition is not an addition. It's a subtraction. Let's get him out. Let's it doesn't move. matter though. Like he hasn't done anything for the team. It's not like he's been hurting the team all year. Like they, they're just, just uh, doing well. good, doing good or bad press, depending on how you look at it. Because he's killing it on social media. <laughs> Personally, yeah, for him, he's like, I'm a team player. Let's keep going. Um. We've already mentioned United needs a center defensive mid. I I don't know if there's one that I would like pinpoint that needs to come in. Mm-hmm. So they need a center defensive mid. Chelsea need a center back. Yeah. City need a center back. Liverpool need a center back. Yeah. And United kind of sort of possibly needs a center back, uh, depending on who they're going to bring in. Yeah. Um, the one name that I think could fill that role for a bunch of these teams is uh, Upamakano. Yeah. And I think... Honestly, I think he might end up at United. There was rumors of him ending up there in the summer transfer window. There's rumors of him already being offered a contract from United in the January transfer window, even though it's only been open for seven days. Um, they did just sign – United just signed a young winger, um, Amad Amad, Yeah, which was connected to them through the summer and officially. Yeah, and the only reason that the, the deal didn't go through in the summer was because they couldn't get a visa. Apparently they have that figured out. So it looks like that's going to happen from Atalanta. He's played in one game this year in the Champions League and one game in the Serie A uh, and played a grand total of 35 minutes across those two matches. So he's out of practice, but does he fill the Dan James role sort of thing as a true right winger? I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see. But yeah. uh that's an interesting signing for United. I I, I do think Ufa McConnell's the guy who comes over to the EPL. 
Yeah, I think it's the next big step for sure. Um, I'm looking over at Leicester here. I think they need another striker because I don't know how long Jamie Vardy is going to keep. Jamie Vardy's playing till he's 50. Well, he is, but I think they need to bring someone in now. And I've been saying that since the summer. I think we've all been saying it since the summer. Is I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, I think I think they need some sort of depth up there, but we'll see how that goes. They do, but I think they're fine. Like for this year, for this year, maybe the summer. All right. Well, that ends our EPL conversation halfway through the season. We'll have one at the end of the, uh, the season, and I'll bring Nick back on. Uh, do not forget, because I won't let you, that today's Starting 11 is brought to you by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They're currently still in Vancouver for a couple more days, so uh, if you're up there, go ahead and make that order. Well, uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in a couple of seconds. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We're back from our little break there. Thank you very much to 20 Minutes on Ice for their ad. Uh, Ryan and Nick are doing a fantastic job over there and the season with the NHL season is about to start on Wednesday night with some interesting division. So check it out. They're previewing it. Uh, Garage Door Sports is also doing the same thing. So we talked about this a couple months ago. I took a big deep breath there, but um, we kind of previewed the FIFA player of the year awards. Um, we made our predictions. I have them in front of me. Um, I don't we think we can a couple. We we missed on a few actually. Um, a little a little surprising with I think the biggest one that surprised me was the coach of the year for the men's side. So why don't we why don't we start there? Um, uh, Hansi Flick, who had an incredible year with Bayern last year, wins the treble, um, and Jurgen Klopp beats him out. Uh, were you surprised with that, or am I the only one that was a little like I was scratching my head at the end of it going I as good as Klopp was and as good as it was for Liverpool to be as consistent as they were. And they were undefeated for like 35 plus matches at Anfield for that year or whatever it was. But Hansi Flick should have won that, no? I mean, we all agreed that Flick should have won it. But I did say when we were talking that if anyone was going to beat him out, it would be Klopp. Mm -hmm. And it was just because Liverpool was so dominant in the EPL. Like everyone expected Bayern to be dominant in the Bundesliga. And they were, and right so. Mm-hmm. But you look at that Liverpool squad, and they were they were dominant in an EPL that had City, who was supposed to dominate everybody, that had Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Tottenham, who are very, very good teams and played well in Europe. And it's probably the most difficult league to be dominant in because 1 through 20, it's, it's competitive. We've talked about that many times on uh, Garage Door Sports. So you're looking at it, and it's like, I get why giving it to Klopp isn't the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I agree Flick probably should have won it, but he did take over less than a year before. It's true. That's right. True. Like Klopp has built this Liverpool team up and they had an unbelievable year. Mm-hmm. So it's not the worst thing to give it to Klopp. No. I'm just I'm just happy uh Bielsa was the third. Yeah. Uh Marcelo Bielsa, he he brought leads up and hasn't happened in almost 20 years. So still, I'm still in baffled that Zidane was top five. 
Well, they need someone Real Madrid related, right? I don't care. <laughs> no, they don't. If they're not good, they don't need anybody. Like, no, wrong, 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 wrong. Um, okay, so I mean, aside from Jurgen Klopp, Lewandowski won Player of the Year for the men's side. Manuel Neuer won Keeper of the Year. Question, question. Yes. How do you win Keeper of the Year and not end up on the uh, World Eleven? That was my next question for you. How does that? Ha- I don't understand that. Like, I mean, if Allison's your World Eleven. How on earth is Manuel Neuer? And like, I know they have players deciding all this, and it still doesn't make sense to me. But okay, yeah, I I don't get it honestly. Like, if you win the goalkeeper of the year, you have to be the one goalkeeper on the on the world eleven. Like, it's not like it's a midfielder defensive thing, right? There's mul- you could put multiple midfielders in, you could put multiple defenders in, so you could win defender of the year, get on the team, and they could put a lot of other players on. Mm-hmm. Goalkeeper is literally one player. How do you win goalkeeper of the year, but you're not the world 11 goalkeeper of the year? Like, that makes no sense. Well, you know what? It happened on the women's side as well. It did. And I don't, and get, it. Just, I don't get it. Like, I get the players are voting for the individual players, but when it comes down to the team, if you're the best keeper in the world, how are you not in the starting 11? For both, I don't... It perplexes me. Like, I think that's the stupidest thing is if you're going to, it should be like, if you're going to win these three awards, you're in, like you, you're automatically in the, in the starting 11 for your respective sides. And they should be. And I don't know if maybe they were using the world 11 as how they did for their national program. Mm-hmm. Cause like, let's be honest, the German team struggled last year. Like <laughs> they were not good. Yeah. But even so, if that's the case, then why why are some of the other players like you know Alfonso Davies in the World Eleven? Because Canada is not very good. No, but he was he was a left back. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think it's point. it's just weird. It's just weird. I don't get it. No, well, it, it perplexes me there as well. Um, the other we'll flip over to women's side as well. There, um, no surprise there. I think. I mean, aside from, I think, Lucy Bronze, I think we all had uh, Wendy Renard or uh, Pernille Harder sort of taking this this award away, but Lucy Bronze, don't, not to take anything away from her, she had a good year. Um, Absolutely. Um, maybe not as prolific as maybe Pernille Harder for the way she was killing it with Wolfsburg, but also keep in mind, Lucy Bronze played for Lyon, made over made her jump over to city and is still killing it in, in, oh, the, yeah. in the, in the FAWSL. I have, I have no problem with them giving it to bronze. I, I did think uh, Renard probably should have won in my opinion, but mm-hmm. I mean, you, can, you can't really argue with no. bronze. The coach of the year was a little surprising here as well, in a sense that uh, Serena Wegman, who had a great year last year and the year before, um, and still had a good, you know, international campaign. She'll take over the English in Lioness's team in 2021 when Phil Neville officially is not the coach anymore. Who's but, going to enter Miami by the sounds of it? Yeah. Well, oh, Beckham, Beckham. Um, but the coach that I guess had the best record all year and was super dominant even in this one year was the Lyon manager. Like, is that, are you shocked? Are you a little surprised at the fact that? You know no. the Wolfsburg manager and and the Lyon manager were dominating within their respective con- uh, in their leagues, but just couldn't win it. Yeah, I was more surprised with the Wolfsburg manager than the Lyon manager, but at the same time, like clearly we were we were thinking very differently when it came to coach of the year. Yeah, we had the three of us. Yeah, we picked three um, different people. We mentioned Wagman for sure, but at the same time, like it wasn't 
she was like second or third on most of our lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I had Emma Hayes. Uh, Kyle had um, the Lyon manager, and I believe you had the Wolfsburg manager. I had Wolfsburg that. for sure. Yeah. So it's, but I had Wegman second. And yeah, I think that 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 shows that like I was on the right track, but I just yep. wasn't right. Yeah. They were thinking something different, and that's fine. And I, I mean, you can't take anything away from Wegman. Wegman had a great year and has had a great stretch of years over the mm-hmm. last few. So, no problem with it. But again, I still think the Wolfsburg manager who led his team to an undefeated season should have gotten a lot more credit. For sure, hundred percent there. Whatever. But <laughs> yeah, you know what? These awards at the end of the day come down to what the coaches and the players think, um, and so some parts of the press as well. It's not just like the AP. The Associated Press and whatever the hell that they do. They, I think this 5. system was the, the this system is a little bit better. Um, so any can, any voting system is flawed. It has their flaws. Agreed. No matter what, and every voting system is flawed. Mm-hmm. And it's there's people who are getting paid off to vote for certain people. And let's let's not beat around the bush. Football is the most corrupt sport in the world. It's unfortunate, but it is. It is the most corrupt sport in the world. Mm-hmm. At all levels, we we have actually seen it here in Canada. We see it in Europe all the time, and we see it in South America in uh, a lot more than here in North America. But it's corrupt. corrupt. There's I mean, there's problems all over, and I could I could go on a huge rant, but I won't. No. about what's happened in Canada. There's yeah, of course. I mean, I think there's there's political ways and agendas in every single league um i mean we look at the fa for example not wanting to put in five substitutions and that's been a, a struggle with that for months so i mean there's various different examples that i think we could probably nail out but we won't because that might take another half hour which we don't have <laughs> uh but i mean that does it for the extra time segment that wraps it up we're almost done we're ready to go uh nick before we sign off do you have any last thoughts I can't wait for the CPL season to start. I know that sounds really funny because like EPL is going on. There's some big storylines coming from the uh, CPL this year, and I'm I'm really excited for it. I'm actually wearing my Forge United very nice jersey, by the way. I love the golden black kit, Um, but I think with some of the movement uh, that has happened across the CPL, players going from teams, uh, players being signed, we just saw. Uh, Maury Doner uh, is now joining the Wanderers uh, from York Nine. He was the best left back in the league last year. That's a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. There's some big players being moved, and I'm unbelievably excited for the CPL season just to see what happens. Yeah. Who's gonna Who's gonna come out on top? Who's gonna be the dominant team? Is Cavalry gonna go to the final again? Is Forge gonna go to the final again? Um, are they gonna three peat? Which I would be shocked if Forge three peats, honestly, but it, it could be very. Uh, for our listeners, you want to let them know when this CPL season starts? Uh, that'd be great if I know the date. They haven't announced it. They haven't announced the starting date just yet, but. But yeah, so we'll retweet it out of our Touchline Thoughts account and or Nick will tweet it and then we'll retweet him. Uh, Sounds my, good. <laughs> my final thought before we wrap it up is I just want to say this podcast supports Black Lives Matter. We are against racism and any form of discrimination. Uh, and, and I want to say that please speak, oh, sorry, please think before you speak, especially when using words with racial connotations. Um, anyway, that wraps it up. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Give us a like or a rating. You can follow us on Twitter at TouchlineTH. You can follow me at Manji. You can follow Nick at Nick McVicker. Super simple. Don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sport or check out garagedoorsports.com for articles. Don't forget to support local businesses in and around your area. Uh, for us, it's Shenzi Shack as well as Shea Creams. Uh, so don't forget to do all that. Um, if you have any local uh, places you support restaurants, businesses, or whatnot, drop it down for us. We will retweet them and we will we'll give them a tweet of support, whether it's on the podcast or on Twitter. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Nick, you, uh, Nick, they <laughs> said thank you and Nick at the same time there, but Nick, thank you for joining us. Uh, appreciate having you on, buddy. And we'll see you next match day. Cheers.